Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. So I've been living with type 1 diabetes for eight years, and of those eight years, I've been on an insulin pump for seven and a half. That means I've gone through 912 site changes, and that's not even counting my continuous glucose monitor. If you're living with diabetes, then you know that these diabetes devices are precious, and when we're just trying to do the things that we love, like being active, hanging out with our friends, traveling, we literally do not have time for our devices coming off and then dealing with insurance on top of that to deal with replacements. That is why I'm so happy that I found Syngrip, my favorite diabetes patch company, three years ago. Before finding them, my devices used to always knock off on doorways or sweat off after a workout. But since finding them, I can honestly say that I can go to the gym four days a week, sweat it up in hot yoga, go to the beach, and travel without having to worry about anything happening to my devices. As a type 1 diabetic who wants to make the most out of these experiences, I can't tell you how comforting it is to know that I have one less thing to worry about. Whether you're on an insulin pump or a continuous glucose monitor, you can try out SkinGrip at SkinGrip.com and save on your order by using the code LISSIE, L-I-S-S-I-E, at checkout. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Keep 100 Radio. I literally just recorded this entire episode, and if you ever want to know what it is like to be an entrepreneur, um, I think I can sum it up in this one sentence. I just recorded a whole 30-minute episode for you all and accidentally hit the the mute button on my mic. So none of it recorded. Um, I went to listen to the file to edit it, and it was all silent. (laughs) And I think I went through like a five-minute period where I just wanted to cry. (laughs) But we're here. We're here. We made it. And it's even more exciting because this is our 50th episode. That feels really weird to me because we kicked off this podcast in October of last year and it's July. So in less than a year, we have 50 episodes out and my mission with this whole thing has really been to bring those uncensored conversations to this space because I don't know if you're like me, but I, you know, being that I was diagnosed when I was 19 and in this adulthood, I really wanted more transparency around this topic. I wanted to learn more and dive in, but all I was being met with were these overgeneralized pieces of advice and, you know, social media where people are just posting their perfect graphs and nobody's really talking about what is it like to actually live with this and what are those different strategies that I can use? What are those different things I can consider? And, you know, what about the hard days? What about those? So, That's where this podcast came from. That is the heart of this show. And every single week, we're constantly trying to think of new ways that we can bring new strategy, new real conversations, and just make this a space where it feels safe for you to go um, when you are looking to get curious in your journey, when you are really looking to just add that different perspective or just have somebody who gets it. Because listen, like (laughs) I've been, I've been living with this for now eight years of my life and I know that it's hard and I know that it's shitty and I know that it sucks. Um, and I know what it's like to actually be a partner with this every single day, 24 seven. So if you ever just need to listen to somebody who gets it, 
that's what I'm here for as well. So with that, I just want to say thank you for being here and thank you for taking the time out of your week, every single week to listen to the show. Um, And if you're new here, thank you for giving it a chance. I am super picky with the podcast that I choose to listen to. So thank you for taking a chance on it and just thank you for being here. So inside this episode, I really want to talk about other numbers that matter inside of our journey outside of simply carb counts and insulin, because when we're initially diagnosed with type 1, and maybe this is just my experience, but I feel like I've heard this a lot in the community too, we're really led to believe that the only three numbers that matter is the number of carbs that you're eating on your plate, the number of units of insulin that you're taking, and the number on your meter. Now, I don't know about you, but I really was not satisfied when I was sitting in my endocrinologist's office and they were telling me this because it just didn't seem right. I know that there's so much more that's impacting my body on an everyday basis. And then, you know, now going on social media and seeing those graphics that say there are 42 different factors that are impacting your blood sugar, but nobody's telling you how to actually consider those into your dosing decisions, how those actually come into play in the big picture. And when we think about a holistic approach, that's what it actually means. When I was first getting familiar with the word holistic, I always kind of thought, oh, like green smoothies, juices, supplements, yoga. And like, while those might be part of specific people's holistic journey, that's not what the word holistic actually means. The word holistic means looking at a person as a whole and not just a part. And I find that in the diabetes experience and in the traditional healthcare system, we're very much compartmentalized. So in our diabetes management, we're looked at at how many carbs we're, we're eating, what our A1C number is, and just how our blood sugar is reacting to insulin, when in reality, there is so much more to that. And at the end of the day, why are we not talking about that? Why is nobody teaching us how to look at these other factors and how to contribute them to the everyday experience that we are are living? I meet so many people who are just frustrated with the fact that they're doing the dang thing, they're counting their carbs, they're taking their insulin, but at the end of the day, they're feeling the fluctuation and they're just feeling really burnt out. And at least for me, I felt like I was doing something wrong because I was led to believe that this could be something easy and nobody's really giving me the whole picture. So inside of this episode, I'm not telling you to track every single thing. That's not what I'm getting at here. And if you are somebody who easily feels triggered by numbers, then this might not be the best episode for you. But the purpose is to show that there are other numbers and other pieces of the experience that can really allow us to dive deeper into the trends and patterns that we are seeing. So one thing that I really find with clients that come to us inside of our program, KP100, is they're saying, you know, sometimes things just feel so random. I see a high blood sugar and I have no idea what to contribute it to. And I really think that's just part of the the lack of education that we're getting and the lack of um, ways that we're really taught to dive deeper into those patterns. So the purpose behind this episode is to say that there are other quantitative things that we can track or be very aware of and that can help us dive deeper into those patterns and really understand why things are working how they are. 
Now, I am a Virgo, maybe that speaks for itself, but I am a very quantitative person. I like getting analytical. If you know me and if you're inside of Keep 100, you know that I love spreadsheets. Um, I love really looking at the variables for what they are and identifying trends and patterns that way. So maybe this is just something that really interests me and sparks my interest because I am that way. But maybe if you're similar to me in that sense, this can kind of open your eyes to other things that you can you can use to create patterns and trends. And if you're not that way, if you hate the numbers, then maybe this can just give you a different perspective. Now, I was somebody who was told before every endocrinologist appointment just to keep a log of my blood sugars, just to kind of write things down as they came up and bring them so that we can dive in deeper into my trends and patterns. So I did. I wrote down my meals, I wrote down my carb counts, and I wrote down my blood sugars. But at the end of the day, I had no idea how my endocrinologist was getting information from that log because I knew that there was so much more going into those numbers that wasn't being maybe communicated on just one piece of paper. So I was wondering, you know, how are they coming up with these assumptions or how they are they coming up with these trends and then making changes to my medication based off of them? And nowadays, things are a lot different where we have more reports via things like our continuous glucose monitor. We have different access to technology. So, you know, maybe there is more information that they're getting, but I still don't think that it's fitting the whole picture. So the purpose behind this episode is really so that even if you are somebody who doesn't want to track every single number, you're still building awareness around what can be making a contribution and just, you know, different considerations that can make an impact in your everyday decision-making that we so very much have to make every single day. So the first thing that we're going to dive into is really on the nutrition side. Now, Again, we're always kind of taught, you know, count your carbs and use that to use your insulin carb ratio to dictate your dose. And of course, that's really important. But again, I was diagnosed when I was 19, so I had no idea really what a carb was. And maybe that's just me being naive um, or lack of education on my end, or maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm really naive in that sense. But I really had no idea what a carbohydrate actually was. I knew that it was something that I ate but I really had no idea what role it played in my my entire body. Um, when I was diagnosed, you know, of course they tell you it spikes your blood sugar, insulin brings it back down. But what was really left out of that bigger picture was what does everything else do? Nobody was teaching me what does protein do? What does fat do? And what does fiber do? What do they do together? What do they do independently? And how can that impact my everyday decision-making? Where what I was kind of taught was that those are kind of free foods or they don't really make a difference, so they don't really matter. But what I started to learn through different trial and error and different meals was that every meal was having such a different impact on my blood sugar. So what I started doing was really actually tracking my meals for their macronutrient composition. So more than just the carb count, because I really wanted to get the... I really wanted to learn my patterns and trends around it, and I really believed that there is more to it than I was initially being told. So, you know, I am somebody who I will go through, um, you know, a few weeks a year. I'll just kind of go through an assessment period, and I will use apps like MyFitnessPal. Quick disclaimer, I don't recommend MyFitnessPal for things like 
figuring out your calories just because they do tend to lowball you. So yeah, just a little side note tangent there. But I will go through kind of different periods where I will track my meals. And when I'm tracking my meals, I really take a deeper look at, you know, how many carbs is in the meal, how much protein, how much fat, what overall composition of the meal does each one break up, make up, and how did that affect my blood sugar? Because not only does that allow me to actually learn, you know, how am I fueling my body, how balanced is my meal in a way that feels balanced for me, but it actually really allows me to learn more about how is this food digesting, how is it impacting my blood sugar now, how is it impacting my blood sugar one or two or three or four hours from now, and based off of that information, how can I make more intentional and mindful dosing decisions that can ease the spike or slow down the spike later on. Now, if you are somebody who wants to dive in deeper into this, I would definitely recommend working with a registered dietitian. We do have a dietitian, our nutrition coach, Jessica Herlicka, on our Keeping It 100 team, and this is something that she really has a lot of conversations about with our clients. But if this is a conversation that really interests you, I would encourage you to listen to next week's podcast episode because we are going to be sitting down talking about the PFF method where we really are talking about what different macronutrients have to role plays in your in your blood sugars and how you can work with them to create that balance and work for your blood sugar. So really, if you are somebody who's who's like ready to get curious about this, I definitely recommend like just keeping track of, you know, even for a week or even if it's like just one meal of the day, just kind of looking at, you know, how much carbs, how much protein, fat and fiber are in this meal and what am I seeing in my blood sugar as a result and based off of what I'm seeing as a result how can I manipulate my strategy to really make this work better for me and you will be so surprised in how empowering this feels to one be able to feel like you can eat more and have more variety in your meal because now you're not looking at food just for the carb count but you're looking at food and meals for how it's going to really play an impact in your digestion, in your energy levels, um, etc. And you're also now able to take different meals on and different variety of foods on because now you have a dosing strategy for them instead of just taking your insulin and seeing what happens. So this was a really empowering and impactful part of my journey. And I know it's something that's really impactful for people that we work with because it's all, it's really exploring this, this side of things that nobody's really teaching us. So that is thing number one that I really have found impactful to keep track of. Now, the second being, uh, this actually correlates more with movement. So if you've listened to the previous episodes and maybe you know this, and if you're new here, then I will tell you again. Um, but you know, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was 19. Before that, I grew up as a gymnast for 10 years. So movement was always so important to me. So when I was diagnosed, my endo had kind of just told me, you know, make sure that your blood sugar is over 150, make sure that you're carrying low snacks. And it was basically the assumption that all exercise would do the same thing. All exercise was meant to drop my blood sugars. Now, to my surprise, a few months later, I came home for the summer and I had started doing CrossFit because I wanted to get back in shape. I wanted to feel stronger. And to my surprise, almost none of those workouts actually dropped my blood sugars. Instead, what I found was that most of those workouts were spiking my blood sugars. 
So because I was going off of this information that my endo was giving me of assume every workout will lower your blood sugars, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And it really gave me a disempowered uh, mindset around exercise because I felt like no matter what I did, I was either going high or dropping low. So as I kind of got more curious and started exploring this topic more and I got my personal training certification, I really learned the impact of keeping track or at least being aware of your heart rate during these movements. Now you might be wondering, why the heck does this even matter? So when you are working out, your heart rate is going to tell you where your body is pulling energy from and how much energy this workout is demanding from your body. So what I find really useful is wearing things like an Apple Watch or a Fitbit and being able to monitor my heart rate throughout my workout. What I do with this number is I'm then associating it or comparing it to my maximum estimated heart rate. So your max heart rate is essentially just the the highest it can go (laughs) until you absolutely have to stop that activity. So how we find this number is we essentially take the number 220 and we subtract our age. So for me, that would be 27 and that would be 193. That is my estimated maximum heart rate. So what I do with this number that I have on my Apple watch for my heart rate is I will take that heart rate and I will compare it to my maximum heart rate. And essentially I want to get what percent am I currently working at? What percent of my maximum heart rate is my body currently working at? And with that, how can I see a correlation with my blood sugars? Now, this is going to look a little bit different to everybody because everybody has different fitness levels. Somebody, Some people's heart rates are uh, just naturally lower. Some are naturally higher. So this will all be very individual. But if there's anything that I can encourage you to do is kind of looking at your heart rate and seeing where it compares to your maximum heart rate and then the impact that you see on your blood sugars. So your heart rate is essentially going to correlate with intensity. So when you're doing something high intensity, how does that impact your blood sugars? When you're doing something low intensity, how does that impact your blood sugars? Moderate intensity, how does that impact? Again, with this, you're going to be able to understand actually how your body is working, how that impacts your blood sugars more than just what you see online, and you're going to actually be able to come up with your own little protocols for each type of workout, hence giving you more flexibility, giving you more opportunity, and really just being able to understand your body better on that whole level. I know that I can go for a a hike down the Grand Canyon and keep my blood sugar stable. And I also know that I can do yoga and keep my blood sugar stable. I know that I can go to a CrossFit class now and keep my blood sugar stable. And really that all comes down to understanding my body at that level and knowing what's going to happen so I can get ahead of it and I can be proactive. So that is definitely something I encourage you to do. If you are interested more in this topic, I would definitely encourage you to listen to episode 16. That is going to dive a lot deeper into this topic. We're going to talk all about your diabetes and fitness questions answered. So definitely check out that episode after you listen to this one. Now, the last thing that I really track on a daily basis is my basal body temperature. And you might be wondering, what the heck is that? And what does it even have to do with your blood sugars? So your basal body temperature is your temperature when you are fully at rest. So this is your temperature pretty much overnight when you are sleeping. 
And this is going to give you insight to where you are in your cycle if you are a person with a period, if you're a person who menstruates. Now, in certain parts of your cycle, depending on what hormones are kind of acting, you can have elevated temperatures or you might have temperatures that are lower depending on where you are. And essentially what these temperatures can give you insight to and where your hormones are, and essentially with these different hormone shifts and with these different temperature shifts, you can get more insight into what insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance shifts you also might see. So to track your basal body temperature, there are a few ways that you can do it. You can either wake up early in the morning You can either wake up in the morning at the same time every day and just take your temperature with a thermometer, and you really want to make sure that this is before you get out of bed, before you do anything. Now, I am somebody who would forget to do that, and I'm also somebody who does not wake up every single morning at the same time, so I actually use a device called TempDrop, which is just a band that goes around my arm, and basically I wake up, I wear that overnight, I wake up, I sync it with an app on my phone, and that gives me my temperature. Now, some people, especially living with diabetes, aren't thrilled with the idea of this because it's another thing to wear. Personally, it doesn't bother me. It's literally just an armband that goes around my arm. I don't even feel it when I go to sleep. Actually, the other morning, I woke up. I completely forgot about it until I was making coffee, and I'm like, oh shoot, that's still on my arm. (laughs) So it doesn't bother me, but it does give me a lot of insight because with different temperature shifts, I can really lean into what experience is my body going through? What hormone shifts is my body going through? And how will my insulin sensitivity be correlated? So for example, this week, I know that I am in my luteal phase. So there are four phases of your cycle. I am in my luteal phase. I know that my temperature is more elevated right now because of the progesterone that is very prevalent and I'm experiencing a lot more insulin resistance. Now, normally with that insulin resistance, I would get really, really frustrated because I would say, why the heck is this happening? It would just feel really random and I would attribute it to nothing's going right with diabetes today. It's just another diabetes day. Now, because I know exactly where I am in my cycle, I know exactly what is happening. This is not a random event. (laughs) It is something that I can prepare for. It is something that I can have a separate profile for in my pump and I can really anticipate it and be proactive in what do I do next. So if you are somebody who feels very overwhelmed by this conversation, don't worry. We actually have another podcast episode on this conversation. That is episode six. That is a whole episode with my co-coach Val, where we really dive into the menstrual cycle, how that can impact insulin sensitivity, what that really looks like. Now, if you are somebody who wants to dive into tracking your basal body temperature, if this is fascinating to you, um, I will leave a link to the temp drop in the show notes. Now, this is an affiliate link, so it does get you 10% off. However, just being aware that, you know, I, I bought this before even having a link with them. I bought it because it was something that really interests me. I genuinely use this every single night to log my temperatures. So, Yeah, I will leave that in the show notes, but this is really such an empowering piece of the journey that I was really, really missing until this year because it's really allowed me to fully understand my body's experience and really meet my body with where it is based on the natural shifts that are naturally occurring. So 
definitely something I recommend being aware of, especially if you're somebody who menstruates, somebody who experiences a cycle. So yeah, I will leave that conversation off there, but you can always go back to episode six where we dive into it a bit more. So I know that this was a big conversation and trust me, I just went through it twice because I recorded this episode earlier, but to break it down and reiterate the three things that I track in my journey that allow me to see more numbers that correlate with my blood sugars are one, the macronutrients of my meal, two, the my heart rate and how that correlates with my maximum heart rate. And then three, my basal body temperature to really understand my body on a hormonal level. Again, I will leave you off with that. You don't have to track every part of your body. You don't need to have a bunch of numbers written down everywhere. But if this is just another piece that can allow you to build more awareness and just get a little bit more curious, whether you are tracking or not tracking, that is the intention behind this episode. So I will leave you off with that. If this resonated with you, if you learned something new, please let me know on Instagram. You can message me at needlesandspoons underscore and just let me know because this allows me to create more content that resonates with you. It lets me know what conversations are are feeling good and are resonating. And if you are feeling more inclined, go ahead and leave a review on whatever podcasting platform that you are listening on. Again, this really helps other people find this show and it allows us to hopefully make a difference in their journey as well. I'm so thankful that you are here and I can't wait to see you on next week's episode.